Hi guys, welcome to Jules and Phoebe, the bi-weekly pop culture and social commentary podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jules and Phoebe. Hello, Juliet. Hi, Phoebe. It is good to see you. I feel like I haven't seen you in ages. I think it's um, been a week. I know, but <laughs> a, I, it's getting a, to a that week? time of year where it's so hectic. How have you been? No, I'm good. I had a really hectic week last week. So I went to Madrid for work. So we have basically like a training program that mm-hmm. we have to do for colleagues in Europe. You basically get to go to Madrid to do that training. Amazing. Um, so yeah, no, it was great. It was my first time in Madrid. So I've been to other parts of Spain before, but I've never been to Madrid. Yeah. Have you been? I think so. But actually, now that I say that out loud, maybe probably traveling to get somewhere else, like going through it. Yeah. So I've been through it as in in transit. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't yeah. like in like stayed in Madrid and, and enjoyed it. And it was amazing. Like really love Madrid. So like a week is such a long time to be like any one place as well, especially for work. Where yeah. you just put up in a nice hotel. Yeah, nice hotel. Got to meet like colleagues from like all over Europe. Such a great bunch. A third of the group were from Ireland. Oh, Irish <laughs> tourism board over here. Or from Love the Irish it. office, so from the Dublin office. Okay. So we've got a lot of tech companies. We have mm-hmm. a presence in Dublin. And so a lot of the guys that came were from the Dublin office and oh, they were fun. amazing. I think they are the ones that really made it a vibe. Oh, that's good to yeah. hear. So even though it was quite an international bunch, so the people from the Dublin office were from like France, Netherlands, like right. all over the place. Okay. And then you had some people who were like from Dublin, mm-hmm. but like international. Yeah. So like one of the guys was like his parents are Algerian, but he was born in Dublin. Okay. Other guy from Poland moved to Dublin when he was 10. And I didn't know. I mean, I'm ignorant. I didn't know that people <laughs> from North Africa moved to Dublin to live. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So such a great time. And, and I love being, it was basically like a Erasmus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, that's like really fun. I love being in an international group. Yeah, you um, love things like I that. I love things like that. I love meeting people from different places. And it was super, super cool. So we went to a restaurant at one point. And basically, they're really into meat in Spain, as you probably know. Oh, my God. I am really into meat. But anyway, that's a whole they different... are. And you have to go to Madrid yeah. because they are very, very, very into meat. So we went to a restaurant and then... Your Insta stories, I have to say. Oh, it's crazy. Were your... I live for people putting food on their Insta stories. But this was hardcore. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was, it was so, so good. But then basically, so one of the guys ordered a steak but he ordered medium well oh what and, and rude well the thing is that not everybody eats not everybody eats their meat with a pulse yeah not everybody does that <laughs> and then they bring they bring the steak and it's basically just like bleeding everywhere and then basically it, it was just controversial basically it was like that no, didn't go it didn't go I down agree. well i mean the thing is one thing that i have been taught by my husband is actually that when you're in a steak restaurant or when you're in a restaurant and you're ordering steak when you order and they ask you how you like it done, you should actually say to the waiter, what do you recommend? Because different cuts of meat will respond better to different cooking types. Yeah, but that also being said, I would not. Some well people done, can't eat their meat. I, I think that restaurant, they don't do well done. The one we were in. Oh, well, that's, I think that, that's fair. I think, <laughs> I think that's they correct. don't do well done. So I have my <laughs> medium and, right, you know, but even like I, I have my medium rare. Mm-hmm. 
or but this time I asked for medium because I know they're very right. So you and then it came it. back medium rare. Basically. Right. Um, this is the thing. I the only reason I ever stopped doing that was because I used to like mine so rare that I would end up asking for it blue because people didn't do it rare enough. Oh. Right. And when I tell you the first time I had my ever actually blue steak, it took me forty five minutes to eat a third of it. I yeah. could not. I was chewing for so long. No, no, I can't. I'm so... not about that life. I'm I'm really, 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 really not about that blue steak life. Oh my goodness. No, no. no I'm I'm rare. I'm definitely rare. That's where I like yeah, it to be. Yeah, so I'm medium rare usually, but like mm-hmm. if you go to a country like Spain, I think you have to order like one above above what you typically go for. Mm-hmm. But it was great fun and very, very, very cheap. Oh my god, I love it. Love some nice croquetas. So some... cheap. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Like eight of us went for lunch and some glasses of wine. Of course. Some food. And it was like two hundred euros. Oh wow, for eight people. That's yeah. really good. Yeah, really good. And I ordered like mussels and stuff, so it wasn't like it was the cheapest <laughs> food. So I was like, Whoa, great great quality of A life. Pret sandwich. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy! It's just that when you compare it to obviously the price of everything in London, yeah, of course. we were like, "Wow, we're rich." Yeah, we're yeah, balling yeah. In in Madrid, it's nice to get some sun on your bones as well. I think, like, I love this time of year, but mm. it wasn't sunny. It wasn't. It wasn't warm. I mean, warmer than here because it's, it's yeah, become quite cold. But it was like maybe fifteen degrees. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. It's not warm. It's kind of one of those things that when it's one, two, three degrees here, that you kind of think, oh, fifteen balmy yeah but 15 is just it's an awkward yeah yeah of course temperature it's, because you still have your coat, coat yeah but... <laughs> you still have your coat. but it was winter for them because they were like with their scarves and we were like okay we're quite hot yeah, <laughs> compared yeah, yeah. To London. but you know what i always think it's so interesting how once you've spent a certain amount of time somewhere that you seem to adapt to that kind of temperature one of yeah. my good friends who moved to dubai after she did her first summer there she was like okay now i am now I'm a resident, do you know what I mean? Now yeah. I can handle the heat. My sister spent a year in Nice. When it got to the end of that year, she was the person who would be wearing a hat and scarf and gloves when it was 15 degrees. Yes. She was like, yes. oh, so chilly. Yes, that's what they're doing. <laughs> they're wearing their hat, their scarf, their boots. Yeah, like rubbing their, their little hands dogs, together. And we're like, <laughs> okay, we're really hot. <laughs> um, so yeah, you definitely adapt to the, you know, yeah, the climate that you're used to. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, for me, it was it was really nice to get away. It was very, very tough in terms of work, but it was just great to have a change of scene. And I definitely would like to go back to Madrid, like for a holiday. Yeah. Rather than a work trip, mm-hmm. because we were like, I mean, luckily in Madrid, things are open so late. Yes. That yeah, you yeah. can be at work all day, but then you still have this evening life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely had a great time. When did you go? When did you get back? Uh, Monday, got back on Friday. Oh, okay. A long week, but... Yeah, it was quite a long week, but it was crazy when I was when I got my flight back. I saw an alert for um, the terrorist attack that happened in London on London Bridge. Mm, yeah, where were you? I was I, I was. I got the alert when I was boarding. I was at work, but what I thought was crazy actually when that came through. Initially, I don't know if you guys have seen the videos. This is obviously in reference to the terrorist attack which took place last Friday on London Bridge. I actually thought it was Southwark Bridge when I initially saw the video, which is where Juliet and myself both used to work. Yeah. And I I have not low tolerance, but you know when people try immediately to attach themselves to 
a particular event that's taking place like oh I've eaten there before or oh my cousin's boyfriend uh, used Mm -mm. to work there but I did get a real feeling of being like oh shit that's where our offices used to be anyway as it transpired obviously it was the next bridge along but yeah I was I was sitting at work when it happened and kind of one of those things with the when the news starts pouring in about something like that you're kind of not really sure what it is that has actually taken place yeah so I was like that as well so when I boarded I was like oh what's going on a little bit confused and a a bit more information has has come out now and yeah so I just wanted to say you know rest in peace to Saskia Jones and Jack Merritt who were the two casualties of this terrorist attack in London I mean it's it's just crazy because there was the attack on London Bridge a couple of years ago now Mm-hmm. And then now you had this. I don't know how closely you followed it or if you know anything about what, what happened. With what happened on Friday. Yeah. Well, initially when the kind of alerts were coming through, actually, I text my family to say, oh, you know, just so you know, I'm safe. I'm not based near there, basically. You know, when other people don't live in London, it's almost mm. this blanket approach of like, hey, just wanted to check. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, that's not where I am. And my dad texts back saying, what's happened? what are you talking about and I was like oh okay but also when it initially came out about this young man Jack in particular because I think his name was announced first I was reading it aloud to my husband and I was saying how utterly tragic is this that this man worked within this kind of rehabilitation space so he he was working on a program called learning together which was about Mm. the rehabilitation of prisoners and I didn't realize that actually a conference was taking place in London and that's why Everyone who was in the vicinity was in the vicinity. I feel like it took a little while for all of the information to come out about it. Mm, I think it's a bit like that, though. It's always like that when you have something like this, because Mm. you have to respect the families. You have to give the family information first. You have to verify a lot of things. So it does take a while for things to come out. But I spent the weekend kind of looking into Jack and I was really... I was really moved by him because like you said, Mm -hmm. he actually works in this rehabilitation space and his dissertation was titled A Critical Analysis of the Overrepresentation of Black, Asian and Minority Ethnic Males Aged 18 to 21 in the British Prison System. And that, I mean, for a young person to be that critically engaged in Mm -hmm. like our society, that's a gift. Yeah, absolutely. And for his life to just be snuffed out yeah in in the way that it was like it's really tragic it's always tragic but i think the more you look into this person's life and you think i mean it 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 brings the tragedy home even more Mm -hmm. and i thought his family statement was really touching so i'll just read a part of it the family said we know jack would not want this terrible isolated incident to be used as a pretext by the government for introducing even more draconian sentences or prisoners or for detaining people in prison for longer than necessary yeah and i'm like wow because if something like this happens to someone that you love a lot of people the natural instinct is revenge and is anger but they understand like this is a tragedy it's an isolated incident and you know leading up to election time we don't want things like this become weaponized yeah we don't want this to be weaponized and i felt like their statement was so true to their son's legacy because he Mm -hmm. already had a legacy yeah you know and had really strong beliefs and like really strong principles and was living his values so i i really was touched that the family like their statement was really in line with their son's beliefs yeah absolutely well i thought i don't know if if you 
if you felt this too, it actually brought to mind a lot for me the murder of Joe Cox. Yes. Um, yes. Who, yeah. for those of you who don't know, was a, a Labour MP who was stabbed to death outside was it outside Westminster? In I can't the lead remember up to where, where it was, but it was in the lead up to Brexit. Yeah. And again, in, in the aftermath of that, her husband released a statement saying Joe would not want this to be used as an opportunity to further kind of xenophobic, racist rhetoric. Yeah. Um, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And it, do you know what's really sad? It's sad that families in the midst of such awful grief should need to make a statement like that yeah it's really really sad but it just shows the time that we live in yeah and the way that the media is Mm -hmm. and I'm just really like blown away by Jack Merritt because this his perspective obviously now he's passed away it's like his perspective was is kind of like been brought to like a national Mm -hmm. the national stage but his views are I mean this is a perspective that I agree on and I think that it's really horrible that this person the terrorist was previously arrested yeah right absolutely and you know was released automatically and all of that i think it's really horrible but it's a complex situation yes right you know we're in a situation where a lot of those those i mean i'm not that i'm i'm justifying it but it's like it's a um they're not getting enough funding oh absolutely (laughs) and i'm sorry there comes a time, I mean, I've I've obviously heard our current Prime Minister Boris Johnson use this against the Labour government or use this as a stick to beat Labour government with. And the response has been, you know, if you continue to cut public funding, prison funding, rehabilitation programmes mm. like this, yeah. what do you think is going to happen? I think people are so focused on Brexit that it's at the point where it's really become a distraction like Brexit is important. We all have our views on, you know, the European Union, etc. Mm-hmm. But there's there are a lot of issues, right? And, yes. and, and that we're not paying attention to. Also, I think that we get so used to reading heartbreakingly sad stories in the news all the time that we forget, you know, there was something I was reading the Times this morning. Jack Merritt had just been on holiday in Spain with his girlfriend a couple of weeks ago. You know, there are things here that this young lady Saskia will never get to walk down the aisle with her dad or celebrate her best friend's wedding I'm using a wedding and an example here because it's easy but all of those things that they'll never get to do buy their first house I don't know go bungee jumping if they want to don't forget that these are actual people that you're reading about when you see those names just as a very pessimistic reminder yeah yeah I think the coverage because I, I watched the news on the weekend. I think the coverage, I think the news, the media has done a good job of like honouring the victims, going to their communities, just giving the public a bit of an insight into who they are. And yeah, it's really, really, really sad. And Yeah. And, you know, I think for for both of us living in London, being Londoners, you know, there are certain points at which things like this become very real i would say for want of a yeah but i was starting to relax i was starting like there was a time when you would feel oh i'm getting on a train i hope everything's fine i don't Mm. know if you went through that but like there was a time when i mean there was so much terrorism all around the world like Mm -hmm. these types of terrorist attacks yeah and i was actually thinking the other day oh i'm quite chilled out 
yeah. on the train i feel quite safe and you know i guess you can't eradicate it completely because people have their thoughts and they lose it but it's uh it's a shame yes it is a real shame and i think i'm, I'm glad that you took the time to to talk about them both because it is important that we acknowledge that quite a, a huge thing has happened in london in the past few days but yes rest in peace to both jack and saskia Actually, what's interesting is as we kind of go down the avenue that you kind of introduced there when we're talking about this being weaponized in the media in the lead up to the election, I actually bought The Spectator this weekend. I don't know if you've read The Spectator before. I have, yeah. I am not a Spectator reader. I'm not The Spectator's demographic, but I was coming back from brunch and I saw it in the news agents and I just thought, you know what, I'm actually interested to know what know what the other side is saying Mm. it's important to make sure that you're not just in your echo chamber there was an article within the spectator and i can't recall right now who wrote it but basically the central thesis was that while anti-semitism is very much so a thing and a scourge in our society islamophobia is not it's basically a made up a fabrication and does not exist in the same tangible way that anti-semitism does which I thought was but just... what's the basis based on <sighs> okay i'm I'm conscious of getting a little too not too ignorant here, but furthering somebody else's ignorance. basically, the suggestion was that Jewishness is inherited, whereas Islam or to be Muslim was a choice um what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you what? know what? People are out here reading this and thinking, mm, "Yeah, they make a good point." I can't wait to I can't wait to say so this loudly down the pub. Even if, even if Islam is a choice, right? Because people can choose to be Muslim. Like in your mm-hmm. adult life, you could become a Muslim. How does that? Even, I don't get how it means that islamophobia is not a real thing i absolutely agree i thought it was such a fascinating you know when you read something you think oh i must be stupid oh i must be very dumb i must be like (laughs) super dumb because i I do not understand that logic and i was reading it out loud i was going because one thing i would do that honestly wrecks my husband's head and i know it wrecks his head because when he does it to me i lose the plot is when you you know when you're reading something you go that is so interesting and then you don't say anything else. And I kept going, oh my God, that is so weird. <laughs> and my husband was like, read it out. What is it? That's and when I read so it out, sad. I was almost sounding out the words because I was thinking I must have missed something here. Anyway, it's in The Spectator, the most recent edition, the one with Boris Johnson on a racehorse or a cartoon of Boris Johnson on a racehorse. And yeah, if you are able to... Maybe but I thought The Spectator that. was against Boris. They're Not as much on- as they're against Jeremy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're super against Jeremy. But I was reading it around when Boris was becoming PM and they were they were like against making fun of him and they seemed mm-hmm. to be against him. You know, I don't want to dignify that. You know, anti-Semitism is, is a real thing. And, and it's a dangerous thing. It's real. It's incredibly dangerous. And I'm completely against anti-Semitism. What I hate as well is how anti-Semitism is weaponized to basically... Mm-hmm act like everything else just doesn't exist or if compared to anti-semitism why would you even compare islamophobia and anti-semitism i don't get it yeah i I don't even understand the logic no i I, it's absolutely true and it's the idea why would you use anti-semitism to 
say that Islamophobia is not a real thing because Islamophobia is a very real thing, right? Hate crimes are increasing. Islamophobia is increasing in this country, right? Mm -hmm. I went to anti-Semitism. It's difficult because as well in the context of Islamophobia and anti-Semitism, as you said, one is being used to justify or negate the other, should I say. And I guess the, the context of this particular article was that the Labour Party is obviously criticised ad nauseum in the mainstream media for accusations of anti-Semitism. Part of the riposte to that, I would say, is that the frequency with which that is that drum is beaten almost oversimplifies, over... It makes these accusations of anti-Semitism almost kind of petty. But basically, the context of this particular article was that for every accusation of anti-Semitism that the Labour Party face, the riposte um, or response is always to say, well, the Tory party is Islamophobic. And this particular article was saying, well, that can't be true because Islamophobia is not a real thing. Mm, I haven't seen the media banging on about the Tories being Islamophobic. No, <laughs> not <laughs> as much as they should be. Because... Yeah, I haven't seen it. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Conservative Party was as anti-Semitic as the Labour Party like I don't I absolutely agree I just feel like this discussion although it's it's a real issue because people have been in the Labour Party I'm not a Labour Party member but people within the party have said like they've experienced Mm anti-semitism um I feel it's not been handled well by the Labour Party a couple of them have come out and spoken like powerfully and clearly against anti-semitism unfortunately Jeremy Corbyn has He's just just not great with media and I don't feel he's handled this no. topic very well. But I also feel it's being weaponized and it's becoming a distraction. Yes. And I think that we need to really focus on the issues. And if this is an issue that impacts you and, you know, it's going to drive your vote, I completely respect that. But I think the media, it's like propaganda now, is disproportionately focusing on this when there are so many issues in this country that we need to give voice to. I absolutely agree. So that's where I am with this issue. That Spectator article sounds crazy. Oh my God. Cray, 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 cray. I almost (laughs) feel like I might have to start reading this on the regular now because... It's good to read it, by the way. It's good to read it. it. It's heavy sometimes though. Like sometimes, I know we talk a lot about or... In in society, we talk a lot about echo chambers, making sure that you're not just staying within your own particular bubble, be that social media, be that politically, whatever the case may be. Sometimes when I edge outside my bubble and I read and I explore and I go through the comment section and I try to expose myself to something that wouldn't necessarily otherwise be on my radar, I think, oh, I like it better in my echo chamber oh yeah yeah it's very it's very like i want to go back to my echo chamber yeah it depends i'm trying to think what do i listen to or read we do get the uh telegraph Mm. on sunday okay and sometimes i read the times (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i usually will consume media that's like aligned with my way of thinking oh and absolutely my goal is to like delve a bit deeper and understand issues a little bit deeper from a perspective that i agree with yeah which do you so, know what that is a great thing to do i just want i think sometimes it's one of those things where you think it is a great thing to do it's just also a very comfortable thing to do i like varying opinions mm-hmm. like well i mean I, i've got <laughs> associates who 
like post Breitbart stuff oh yeah yeah I know you know and Hmm. tell me how what all lives matter (laughs) no yeah tell me that and tell me how everyone turned on them when they found out they voted to leave (laughs) the the European in their office were like uh, traumatized by you know what I met someone recently so I do know people like that like I'm not but it's more it's probably about one in ten of the people I know I met someone recently we ended up speaking about Brexit again as you said earlier Juliet like however you voted for Brexit whether you will remain or leave if you know the reasons that you did so and you can stand by those that's absolutely fine I think one of the most important things is that you have the resolve and the wherewithal to be like I know why I voted and I stand by those reasons this particular person was talking about oh you know I'm going to leave I voted leave excuse me um Europe shouldn't have control over us blah 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 (laughs) and then at the end he said Anyway, it doesn't matter to me because my parents are Italian or my grandparents are Italian. So I'll just get the Italian passport. And I was like, are you joking? Did you hear those words just come out of your mouth? And I was like, you know, if you're really going to stand by this whole thing, you shouldn't get that Italian passport. Why should you be popping in and out of Europe without a visa? It's just, I don't know, the cognitive dissonance sometimes is just a bit, is is crazy as fascinating to me but anyway it's really really i think fascinating yeah i think vote for who you want i don't really care no for sure i think brexit aside i think the one thing that often concerns me about these people who often people vote for where they want to be versus where they are and there's this (laughs) attitude of being like oh yeah i'm tory because labor wants to raise our taxes i can't even begin to get into this with you right but someone said to me the other day when I pay a lot in tax, I like to think, where is that going? That's probably going to pay a veteran's pension or it's paying our police officers or it's paying a doctor or it's taking care of our roads. And if you don't want to pay into that system, knowing that, as you and I have said before in this podcast, Juliet, you are one accident away from a welfare state. You don't want to pay in, but you're ready to take out. Mm. That, to me, is not, that's not acceptable. But what you said is important in a sense that people are not voting based on where they are, right? Mm-hmm. So they're voting sort of thinking that they're a part of the aristocracy, which they're not. It's it's really, really complex because human beings, there's a trend of people voting mm-hmm. against their own interests. Yes. I don't feel, I mean, I voted Remain. I, I don't feel that Brexit is in our interests. No. And, it, and it, we have a friend who was visiting us and he's an economist. So he's really like, quite clued up on a lot of this stuff right and he said you know what he doesn't realize not from the uk uh he's from canada and he was like the brexit thing is really a shock for him he's like still can't get his head around it and he said people in the uk don't realize how inconsequential the The uk UK is (laughs) like globally he said the uk does not move the needle yeah right and he said so what the UK now has to do is to basically ride the wave of a bigger economy, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's not going to be being a part of the European Union, it's going to have to be riding the wave of, of the US. Right. But 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 thinking that you can go at it alone, he said it's yeah. not logical mm-hmm. in terms of like the UK. He was like, I don't think people realise. Yeah. <laughs> He's no. like, you guys don't Commonwealth realize. mentality. <laughs> yeah, it's Commonwealth. it was so funny when he said that I was like oh okay yeah it's jarring and listen 
I think I, I understand as well, you know, sometimes I roll my eyes when people say, oh, I just don't even read the news, I just find it too depressing. And I think, no, it's our duty to read the news. But I do but also it is depressing. get it. It is depressing, absolutely. Um, but when we're talking about, you know, making sure that you're kind of getting both sides of the story, both sides of the coin, one podcast that I really recommend is Ezra Klein, the Ezra Klein Show, who he is one of the lead editors on Vox, which is an online publication. But basically, he'll get somebody new on every week. Now, it's an American podcast, so it'll be from either side of the aisle, both Republicans and Democrats. So it's not as though it's particularly skewed towards European or UK politics, although he'll often get European individuals on as well. Um, But it's just what I feel is a healthy amount of discourse where you're seeing the other side as well. I can't get... I'm I'm too sensitive. I can't get into the weeds of people who are like all lives matter or transphobia isn't real and things like that. And <laughs> I realize I speak with quite a lot of privilege in being able to say that because those are things do, that do not affect my day-to-day life. I like Ezra Klein, his book Winner Takes All. I've not read that. Yeah. Do you know what it's about? No. Okay, so basically his book is about the charade like the global elite's charade of like change and making a difference. Okay. And so he's like, basically you set up systems that that basically take advantage mm-hmm. of people and then you create institutions that are like meant to sweep in and like do good right. um, and help out. And he's like, it's all a charade basically. So that could be interesting. If you're interested in geopolitics, check it out. Uh, Winner takes all. I mean, it's something that is like, should be obvious. I mean, it's a... It's accurate what he's saying. This is a complete aside. Do you ever read anything that's just like fluff? What, personally? Yeah. Mm, I've tried. I'm reading a a new book. (laughs) I've tried, but I simply cannot. I've tried. Um, I, I the only reason I ask is because I find I have to temper serious things with something not serious. I need to read something that's just a bit not even not serious because the topic in question can be heavy. But I like to read a bit of fiction. I like to know that someone's catching a break somewhere, even if it's in I don't know Narnia or something. I do. I try. I mean, you can't even think of the last fiction thing you read. The last you? fiction book that I tried to read was Queenie. Okay. Which is quite popular. Sorry, I can't remember. Can you remember if you liked the author? it? I think I'm going to stop reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Um, <laughs> I got into it. She's got a Ugandan friend. The, the main character's got a Ugandan friend. But it's very difficult because... Difficult for me because the main character in the book is black. It's a black girl. Mm-hmm. Like, the book was like quite popular like on the yeah, Guardian. Yeah, yeah, no, I've heard of it. Yeah, but then she's like dating this white guy whose family are racist and then you know when they're being racist to her he's not sticking up for her and they're kind of like kind of like blaming her and then like they break up and then she's she just wants to get back with this guy and i'm like this is just not fun for me yeah 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 no (laughs) but it's a it's a it's a good book to read in terms of this is a dynamic that people experience yeah of course um but i put it down and then i didn't pick it back up what i am reading at the moment is more than enough by elaine welteroth no can i guess is it like a not a self-help book but it's like a self-development book it's a memoir Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, she was editor of Teen Vogue 
and she like oh my goodness the one who made teen vogue woke yeah the one that made teen vogue woke okay um, and i bought the book like a while ago but i didn't read it but then like i was on my trip so i thought let me read this book just love the book mm-hmm. really love the book she's got a really compelling voice she's got such a compelling voice she understands her voice she, she uses her platform and mm-hmm. her privilege to like drive change and have an impact and that's what i'm about that's what i'm into i'm like so inspired <laughs> yeah <laughs> so really really love this book and if you have read this book i would love to talk to you <laughs> about this book amazing okay i'll check that out yeah but i've got so much work to do like when i think about life i don't want to be working full-time past 50 so i read a lot to like right broaden like my mind and like help me like improve because i've got to really level up over the, oh <laughs> over the next i feel so tired every time someone <laughs> says level up to me yeah, because i get I where to, it's coming from because i don't want to work past 50 no i i get it and i'm i'm not saying it's i'm not saying it's a wrong attitude to have and i really embrace this kind of attitude of be a go-getter you know my sister my middle sister is an an athlete she's one of the people I admire most and she's always just like get it done get up at whatever time I'm gonna crank this training out I'm working I'm doing this I'm managing my my social media presence and I'm just I'm maybe not taking enough supplements because sometimes I just think when I hear someone say yeah I'm leveling up I'm creating change I'm disrupting or I'm setting my (laughs) intentions for 2020 or whatever disrupting Um, I hate disrupting but anyway it does make me feel like oh my goodness but yeah I'm I'm also a little bit tired is anyone just going home to chill is anyone well mm, I mean I go home and I chill all the time speaking of going home and chilling sorry I just want to let you know that I started watching Succession oh i love it oh yes i love that show i love that show i mean i chill i watch shows i watched the crown this weekend i watch shows right you watch this weekend i watched the crown oh did you a lot of it yeah yeah i watched a lot of it there's another book called the four tendencies okay have i told you about this book no oh yes possibly basically it's about four personality profiles and how we respond to expectations Mm -hmm. and one of the profiles is called the upholder and upholders are basically very good with internal expectations. So if they want to run a marathon, they can self-train. And right. very good with external expectations. So like family, work, everything, like they can manage it more better than other personality profiles. Right. Um, downside is they can be quite rigid and judgmental, mm-hmm. right? Upside is they're very dependable and reliable. What's interesting about the upholder is that they, on average, tend to have a higher earning and net worth than the other are personality you an upholder? Pro- i'm not are you wanting to be an upholder no i'm not i'm just explaining something oh, no, okay. about just... this highly driven oh but personality. i wasn't sure if you were telling us about all four but i'm just you gonna tell you one. about okay. one if you want to chat to me about it i'm here clearly <laughs> desperate to talk about this book but i found this book because my husband is an upholder right okay and they actually will schedule rest so people who okay. you see that are actually like I follow your sister on Instagram and I see her being like, okay, going to take today off, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> once in a while. Right. So people who are high performers mm-hmm. will typically schedule rest. They know right. when they have to rest. Unapologetically. They create boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're definitely on the go. Like they have their goals and they're leveling up, etc. But then they're less likely to just like go, 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 go. And then burn out. Right. Okay. Right. So yeah. Oh, I'm whatever That's the what all I, or nothing I, I found out version about. is. 
I need to read that book to find it's out. It's a really good book. There's got to be someone read. who's like puts everything on their plate, then has a complete meltdown after yeah, about there four are. weeks. Yeah, typically that's the obliger. Oh, so. I already know that's me. <laughs> Just from the second that you said that, like, yeah, yeah that's so obligers are good with external expectations. So if people expect things of them, they're all in. Okay, but not so great with internal expectations. So if they want to like read more, they'll need to join a book club. And there are crossovers, right. but like up- upholders tend to think about other people more mm-hmm. than like thinking about themselves. Obligers. Obligers, sorry. Right, up- yeah, yeah, Upholders yeah. like focus on like, they got like two <laughs> priorities. If you're not on that list, you're not making it. Okay. Yeah, so basically there are ways in which you can like work towards your goal. But for me, it's been more like the last year or like the last 18 months that I've read up a lot on this type of thing. Mm-hmm. There's a book, yes. Yeah, so when you say, oh, can anyone watch TV? There is a book called The 100 Year Life. Oh God, okay. Right? And it was like the business book of the year a few years ago. And basically, according to this book, you don't have time to go home and watch TV. Oh no. They're like, <laughs> you need to work. Not only do you need to work, you need to be in a job where your salary is increasing. So your earning potential has to increase. And when you go home, you need to be skilling up. No. Do you know <laughs> so, what? Because basically the theory that i mean not the theory but the fact for many of us is that you're going to live a long life yeah and if you don't optimize your working years Mm -hmm. a long life is going to be a curse and not right okay right so that's fair although i do think there was something i interesting i read on twitter recently where it was like you know the the greatest trick a capitalist society has played on us Mm. is making us think that if you aren't going home working on your side hustle adding more strings to your bow constantly that it's your fault that you're not successful where actually like society should be progressing in line with or yeah society should be progressing in a way that you know a couple of generations ago one person could go out to work and afford to pay the mortgage for a family home. And That's the past, all right. So it's the past. It's the past, but... unfortunately, yes, and it is capitalism. <laughs> it is a privilege if you can go to work, come home, eat nutritious food and spend time focusing on your own, a goal yeah. for yourself. Like this is a privilege. So I completely understand that not everybody can do that. Yeah. The situation that we're in, and the situation I'm in personally, like no one's going to leave me a million pounds. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I actually have to work and figure it out. I keep thinking I'm going to win the lottery and then yeah. I keep remembering that I don't play the lottery. Exactly. So I'm like, ah! Yeah. So it's <laughs> unlikely that I'm going to win the lottery or get left seven figures. So I got to step up. That's just my personal situation. No, that's fair. Everyone's I mean, situation is different. <laughs> I mean. But if you can't, it's not, you know, yeah, it's. I, and and you're right in the sense of all this like oh I've got to level up got to do this got to do that I mean it's yeah not everybody has the capacity for mm. it yeah absolutely yeah. oh my goodness so okay so if you want to stop talking about leveling up do you want to talk about Christmas <laughs> well it's the holidays I think actually it ties in a little bit with what you're saying there with like you know this whole thing, this narrative of constantly being on your grind and, you know, like the things that people share on Instagram where it's like, you know, real G's move in silence, all of this kind of stuff. Sometimes I'm like, it's actually self-care to just come home and put no pressure on yourself and just be, just be, just not be like, oh, this week I've got to do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, a million other things. But I do think, and you and I have discussed this before, Christmas 
the festive season, I think sometimes feels like a particularly difficult time to do that, to prioritize and be selfish. Yeah, I think it's, well, not for me. (laughs) Not for me, but I can see it for others. I I mean, I love it. This is one of my favorite times of year, no doubt. House is decked out. I've got Christmas songs playing constantly. I'm pumping Christmas incense into my house just constantly. (laughs) The air is thick with the smell of frankincense. But I do find that the aspects that I do not enjoy, controversially, Christmas dinner, don't rate it. I don't think anybody rates it. That's not controversial. Oh Nobody rates Christmas dinner. I think that you are wrong. We're going to do a poll on this. I'm interested to see. I think that people go wild for Christmas dinner and I really? cannot understand why. In the why. UK, what are you guys eating? Turkey this that's got it. no seasoning. Turkey's got, turkey is the worst <laughs> meat what is ever. It? What do people turkey. eat on Christmas in the UK that's One so good? One thing that I do love is I love a Christmas ham. But like, I just think that my mum is particularly good at those. So... Yeah. There's probably an aspect of nostalgia there. Yeah. I do not rate any of the components of a roast dinner, to be perfectly honest. I really feel it's overrated. Like, it's it's good to have. It's nice, Christmassy, but it's not the best meal you're going to have all year. Give me a break. It's not the best meal that you've had in the last 10 years. If someone <laughs> tells me... I mean, I'm not saying that my mum's a bad cook. My mum's actually a great cook, so it's not like I had miserable Christmas dinners growing up. But I can just think of a million other things that I'd rather eat yeah. than, like several different types of potato but it's not really about the food i mean christmas is is great it's great to if you can get time off and it's great to spend time with your loved ones that's great but it's also quite tense there's a lot of expectation a lot of expectation it can be quite tense sometimes your relatives are judgmental sometimes you're not in on the best terms with them how do you suggest people handle that Oh my goodness. I don't I don't know that there is any one correct way to handle it. I do know that I do you know the um the writer Glennon Doyle? No. Um, I think you've mentioned she's her before, she's yeah. fab. But she wrote something interesting in the lead up to Thanksgiving, which actually I was reading. It was just a, a tweet, but she just said, you know, at times like Thanksgiving people who struggle with eating are likely to struggle even more so Mm. and to remember that you know it's and I think it's especially true we obviously don't have Thanksgiving here but Christmas is such the whole festive season is such a binge purge mentality and this whole thing of like oh I just ate celebrations for breakfast or Mm. oh I'm just having some more well mulled wine and I think that is great I think as much as you want to do that you should be able to however cognizant of the fact that some people do really struggle with that and so basically she was saying you know if you eat a lot on thanksgiving you are still allowed to eat the next day this doesn't have to be a thing where you've had that big meal and now you starve yourself and it was interesting to me because you know i think that a lot of women in particular struggle with eating diet culture i know that i certainly did for a lot of my teens and early 20s and i'm very fortunate that I've kind of put that part of my life to bed now. But it was a reminder that some people still are very much so going through that. And that Mm. seasons like this where so much of the emphasis is on decadence and treat yourself and Mm. that so much of the socializing centers around food and And drinking. Yeah. Drinking is difficult for people. Yeah, I think it's really difficult. I know it's difficult. (laughs) I try not to drink during the week right but then i find like socially i mean if i've got work drinks i've got 
work Christmas party, I've got a mm-hmm. lot of like social things going on, but I'll end up drinking more than I would prefer to. Yeah. Which is interesting, don't you think? So, that the idea that more than you prefer to. I mean, well, in the sense again, of I'd prefer to not drink during the week. No, I know. But what I'm saying is that if that were the case, then you should be able to. Now, this is a whole different, this is a whole different podcast, I think. Yeah, but, it's really difficult and I'm not sure, but it just depends. Everyone's different mm-hmm. because some people can say, I'm not going to drink and then they just yeah. don't. I'm the kind of person where I'm like, oh, I'll only come for one. And then I'm like on the dance floor and then I'm like the last one there. So that's... Shuts. Yeah. Did that's, somebody say shuts? Yeah. So that's like an, my own issue. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I'm a bit more chilled out like this Christmas, but we'll see. I'm always like, I'm only going to come for one. And then I'm yeah. like, I'm not leaving. Last on the dance yeah, floor. Yeah, last on the dance floor. I think one so, of the yeah. things that, that is additionally difficult with this time of year is the money a bit it is an expensive it's very expensive it's super expensive like it's a really expensive time and it's difficult this year for for example i have asked that instead of presents to get donations to crisis mm. because crisis i think it's to pay for somebody else's christmas meal is 22 pounds 95 or something mm. like that so i've just said that anyone who wants to get me a present can get me that because there's nothing i need and i'm in a very fortunate position that there is nothing i need anything that i want invariably i will end up buying myself so mm. i don't need to wait until a particular time of year to say oh this is what i i mean i say this i know i'm spoiled rotten my husband got me the liberties advent calendar so <laughs> i'm there like talking out of both sides of my mouth <laughs> like i think we should all just downsize what our expectations are but but it's a good time to volunteer your time if you Mm -hmm. have time to give and to donate money to a good cause because not everybody's as fortunate like christmas is not fun for everyone yes right some Mm -hmm. people don't have the things that we take for granted you know i was on the train when i was coming to the studio to record the podcast and you know this lady was like you could tell something was up with her because she was very agitated and walking very fast through the train. And then, you know, she stopped and she was like asking for like money and saying how she's homeless. And she was like, this is how I became homeless. My rent was this much. My this was this much. And like kind of broke everything down. And it was so like it was really, really sad. And then I watched a documentary. See, I do chill. I had a watched a documentary on the weekend for a few minutes and it was about essentially homelessness in the US. Oh my God. And it was basically saying like, I think it was in Richmond, Virginia. If you've missed two rent payments, the sheriff comes and like gives you an eviction notice, right? So if you fall on hard times for two months and in the US, it's very easy to fall on yeah, hard times. And then you've got one guy who was like a software engineer and like now he's homeless, living in his car. Why? Because he got sick, had heart problems. Oh my God. Right, And those How are out of pocket expenses, right? So it's very, um, you know, that stereotype of, oh, this person is a social vagrant and that's how they've ended up there. No, people are like regular people who like fall people on a hard like time. you and I. Yeah, and... literally. So if you can, I, I personally think it's a good time to volunteer and do things for people who aren't as fortunate. Mm-hmm. As, yeah, as and remind yourself how fortunate you really are and try to put things in perspective. You know, as you said, it's a time that can be very pressure filled, maybe spending time with people you know it 
can be it can be tense from a family perspective it can be a lot of stress it can be a million other things something like volunteering with crisis with any of the the food trusts throughout the UK if you're in the UK you know those are things that make a huge difference I will say this I was actually volunteering earlier today with food bank in Islington and one thing that I think most food banks in the country are in need of is those mashed potato packet things so if you're thinking of donating that's a great shout what is that oh it's like instant mash you know what my uncle loves instant mash and I always used to think he was the best person at making mashed potatoes. <laughs> I found out in like recent I don't think years. I've had it. I don't think I've had it before. It's called um, like smash or smash, something like that. Yeah. But yes, Just also, give, give, give what you can. Give what you can and also make sure when you are giving that you are giving something to yourself as well. Do yeah. not put undue pressure on yourself at this time of year yeah. and don't kiss anyone that you shouldn't at the Christmas party. Behave yourself. <laughs> It's just not worth it. It's really behave really yourself at the Christmas party. Not worth it. <laughs> have you ever had an embarrassing moment at a Christmas do? Oh, I don't think I yeah. have. No, I have. Oh yeah, I definitely haven't like scandalized myself with the Christmas do. Apart like apart from like partying hard. Like I've <laughs> never apart from being the last on the dance. Apart from being the last <laughs> I don't think um no guys yeah take it easy it's not that serious it's not. <laughs> yeah yeah it's but, a marathon not a sprint yeah 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 not, not um, cool. i don't know how people work because when i work i don't i don't, I don't even like, woo, crazy you, yeah so don't kiss anyone you shouldn't you will hear from us again though before christmas I um, want to do an episode on what your goals are for 2020 mm-hmm. how you're preparing for them i don't want to depress you okay <laughs> give me a couple of weeks to put a list together i'm gonna have to make some shit up but no but guys i like you know i want us to serve our listeners right mm-hmm. so guys if you've got something you would like us to discuss we would love to hear from you follow us at jules phoebe just get in touch with us because yeah, we're please. here to serve you guys right what are you interested in what do you want us to discuss we're open let's end 2019 with a bang and let's start 2020 in style. Absolutely. Oh, I just got a notification. What? To breathe. <laughs> <laughs> if that isn't. Breathe. Okay, I'm going to breathe now. It says even a minute of breathing helps you focus. All right, I'm about that life. All right, we're going to go. I'm Have gonna a breathe. great evening, everyone. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye.